What's up, stoners? Welcome back to another episode of That Bud Tender Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca, coming to you on this Friday before 420. Only a few more days before the holiest of stoner days. I I wonder if people are going to go fucking crazy because they didn't do anything last year. Mm, that should be interesting. Today's episode, I'm sitting with CEO and founder of Stone Road, Lex Corwin. Stone Road is a boutique cannabis company based out of LA. I actually had the pleasure of working for Lex back in the day. It helped package pre-rolls and it was it was fun. I really enjoyed getting to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit because he's so much smarter than me. I mean, he he really is. He started his company when he was 23. He has learned so much along the way. And there's so many great little nuggets throughout the episode. I think anyone who is a grower or who's interested in starting a cannabis brand can learn a lot from Lex and what he shares with us in today's episode. So I'm excited for you guys to hear that. Before we get into it, I want to briefly say that we will be dropping a special 420 episode with a mystery guest. And we're going to be talking about conspiracy theories. So it's going to be something a little bit different. I'm excited to get your guys' feedback. I'm also excited to see what you guys are doing for 420. Tag us at the show on Instagram at that budtender podcast. We'll repost. Let's celebrate together virtually. Uh, oh, I made a TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, I did. We have the TikTok now at that budtender podcast as well. If you're on that platform, go check it out. The content is completely different from the Instagram content. And it's been really fun. I know I probably talk shit on the show. I know I talk shit in the past about TikTok. I'm like, if someone had told me I could just go on there and be as weird as I wanted to and that I didn't have to do any of the dances, I probably would have joined a lot sooner. So if you guys are interested in following that journey at that Bud Tender podcast, baby, and I will see you guys for our very interesting 420 episode, currently smoking some Blackjack by Stone Road. So thank you again for all the goodies. If you're in California, I believe they're all up and down the coast. Definitely check them out. I highly recommend their hash-infused pre-rolls. A delight. I'm out. Have a wonderful, wonderful day or night, wherever you are. And keep getting high, my babies. I told myself I could smoke this blunt. Why don't we get into your story with cannabis? I have worked for you in the past. I don't know your history with cannabis. Like, I have no idea. Uh, Yeah, you had me like on the clock. Exactly. Yeah, I've always had a real affinity for cannabis in a way that like you can't really put a finger on it. I feel like when you smoke cannabis, you can like communicate with animals and babies because it's like you don't need words. You can just you have vibes, you know, it's like animals always like me. It's like, oh, I'm always high. And so like, (laughs) you know, I'm always down. I'm like, you need some water, bud? You know, you want a little treat? For me, it was just like I always operate at like a million miles a minute and it like helps me. It blocks out all the externalities and just bullshit that you have to do on a daily basis just to like exist in this world and like America and um, 
this is a really long answer, but it's like when I'm designing or like right before I'm about to surf or if I'm about to like bake in the sun and do like literally six hours of pruning at the farm, which is like the least fun job. It's like cannabis will make it a little bit, a little bit better. Yeah, cannabis definitely makes everything better. So I'm curious. So you grew up in the city, correct? Can we talk a little bit about that experience growing up in New York and then smoking over there? Yeah. So um, I grew up uh, my parents had a house in Connecticut uh, as they're like away from, you know, New York retreat and uh, as being like always really into cannabis. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, grow weed there. A little backstory, I was kind of a naughty child uh, (laughs) growing up in New York, as most kids are there, I feel. I mean, your childhood literally ends at like 13, or like first time you ride the subway alone. And so I went to a farm school in rural Vermont um, when I was a junior in high school. I went there for a semester, and pretty much everything you eat comes from the farm. It's a fully self-sustaining farm. I mean, the heat is from the lumber that you cut down the food is obviously from the semester past, you know, whatever they harvest, they store for you in the winter. And in the spring, when you grow everything, you obviously eat like a king, but you also store all the food necessary for the next group of kids coming the following fall. Um, I learned the basics of agriculture. And then, you know, being a rampant pothead, I obviously when I got home ordered seeds from Amsterdam. And uh, I grew them on my next door neighbor's property on Stone Road, hence the name Stone Road. She's Ah! Yeah, she's, uh, she was 92. Honestly, she never left her house. She had two like guard German shepherds like patrolling the property It was very sketchy trying to like water and give the plants newts. And, you know, I'm 16. I was doing it with my buddy up there, Spencer. And one day we're at the late, late summer. Our plants are doing well. We have about, you know, 15 and a few tote, tote boxes. And uh, my mom, uh, her friend was up for the weekend. And the, and the friend's actually a writer for the New York Times. And she brought her stupid cat. And the cat got out of the house. And the cat literally ran and found, like, the weed plants. And so we couldn't find the cat. And so we spread out search party you know penelope comes back she's white faced she's like look at this she comes over we're like following her through the bramble and we just come across like our little weed garden like technically on the neighbor's property and my mom's like the cartels (laughs) like the cartels like the cartels are growing on our property quick like they might be right around the corner i'm like you literally i was like trying not to die laughing Um, But we kept it together. She obviously figured it out. It was us. She was like, oh, destroy it immediately. Obviously, later that night, we just snuck out and moved it, uh, you know, 100 feet away and covered our tracks. (laughs) Ultimately, it was like the worst weed that I've ever seen. Just classic, like, East Coast bush rural weed. And, uh, you know, I had an ounce of bad weed. I bought an ounce of good weed and I bought an ounce of tobacco and I mixed it all together and I was selling $20 pre-rolled spliffs. Good old days when you can make money in weed. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just made a goddamn fortune and then I've just literally never stopped. What a story. Now we're here, baby. Yeah, now you're... Started from the bottom. You started from started the bottom. It never occurred to me to ask the meaning behind the name, Stone Road. I love that. I love knowing that now. German Shepherds were crazy like they're patrol the property me and my friend are like at 11 o'clock moving in like 40 pound bags of soil because obviously you can't grow in the native soil it's like doesn't have any nutrients and so pretty much all cannabis you have to grow in like substrate or additional soil even places with like really good soil like you're still adding in because you want to be able to get the soil so that it filters enough so that you can like really charge them up on like nutrients or compost tea or you know whatever that's a side little bit about cultivation speaking of cultivation i have bought clones in the past i kill every single clone it is like i don't have that gift unfortunately how old were you when you started Stone Road, aside from the 16-year-old's yeah, foundation? So the actual company, um, I started working on figuring out what I wanted to do in cannabis, how we would make it legal. It was 2016 when we actually settled on the name. I had been a year earlier looking at properties to grow in Northern California with my two business partners at the time. By the time that we actually launched, I mean... 
every every business takes you know a ton of time to get launched cannabis just times it by 10 so obviously you know we have everything we need in late 2016 like december 2016 we're like okay we have the packaging of it we don't actually launch until april of 2017 you know, aiming for an April 1st, missed that. So we were like, oh, we're going to launch on 420. And of course, you know, we did, but like no one's taking meetings on 420. Like no one gives a shit that like Stone Road launched on 420. It's like, it's like, you know, such a 23 year old thing to do. Like oh, we're going to launch on the biggest <laughs> cannabis day. Cause you know, and then you like realize like a year later that you're like worthless and literally no one gives a shit. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, it really, we sold basically the entire summer 2017, you know, six months after the company, one of my business partners left, um, you know, and then subsequently we got into some just like legal bullshit. Um, the other business partner robbed me at gunpoint. So I actually prefer the first business partner approach, the more legal tip. Um, you know, it's just kind of like one of those, like it's still the wild west and, you know, you spend six or seven months working your ass off and just nonstop money and money and money and money. And you can't even imagine, you know, what it takes to really grow, uh, you know, the plant at scale and still make sure it's like good enough weed solid weed it's hard it's hard it's what a lot of these like huge companies and you know carpenteria and lompoc you know it's like when you're growing a million fucking plants they obviously the weed swag but basically um i'm high now we smoked a joint before this the cultivation <laughs> how do i keep a plant alive you just have to you just have to know you just have to like you have to be naturally have like a green thumb and then you just have to work on it each year, the environment is different. So it's really just giving the plants a ton of one-on-one -on -one attention. You know, we have obviously lots and lots of like little tricks that we do in terms of, you know, we're a no spray farm. So we like never, even if it's an organic pesticide, we're not like spraying pesticides, even if they're organic, you know, we're using predator mites, we're using ladybugs, we're using like all different types of like microbial growth in the soil diatomaceous earth as like a top dressing which is basically just like crushed shells it like makes it so that eggs get like cut up super super fine powder and it's completely naturally occurring they mine it and um if any of your plants ever have little bugs you just put a little bit on the top soil and, and, it'll, and it'll help so many tricks so many tricks so of many the trade tricks. literally a lot of tender love and care is really that's, what she needs so you were talking about all these wonderful, like natural resources that you guys use and, and methods over at the farm. We were talking briefly off the mic about packaging and like what you guys are going to be doing, what's coming. What do we have to look forward to as far as packaging sustainability from Stone Road that other companies, you know, might want to take notes from? Yeah, so I hate the idea that people enjoy a pre-roll for 20 minutes and then their plastic tube tube is on this earth for like 600 to 1,000 years. Uh, you know, I, I surf a lot. I live in Venice. Uh, it's like the reason I live in Venice is to surf. And so when I see like all the plastic that's floating in the water, I'm just like, we can, we can do better. We totally can. And California is so regulatory craziness that like if it was any other product that didn't have to be certified child safe by California, the packaging would already be a hundred percent recyclable and compostable the same way that like, you know, responsible cafes, delis, you know, their stuff is it's biodegradable. But everything, like the state of California, like they have to give an actual okay. They have to like give you a certificate or the manufacturer who's making it for you needs to have a certificate. Actually, I mean, not surprisingly at all, the bureaucracy of getting it is not super easy. So what we did with the box, um, you know, our original boxes were bigger. They took up more paper and they had four individual plastic cork top tubes. Probably two years ago, we swapped the, the plastic for glass. So now the sleeves, uh, the singles are in a four millimeter thick plastic sleeve that is child safe. And the hope is that we're working with all different types of textures of like a rice protein. Um, and if we can get it basically approved by the state of California, the packaging on the singles will be fully recyclable and biodegradable. The box is pretty close. Like the box is 99% plastic free and the actual paper that it's printed on is recycled material. So it's like, even if you don't recycled it, like it already came from recycled. We already got you. <laughs> we made you recycle. 
The way that we got a step further is we basically replaced the outer plastic sleeve with a biodegradable alternative. Uh, and then with our eighth jars, we're just, we have, there's a company called Tree Hugger Packaging, and they have plastic lids for your jars that are from reclaimed ocean plastic or also hemp plastics. So um, after we basically sell through this next order, um, we'll be switching over. That's so amazing. It's so cool because I came across Stone Road. I want to say through your Instagram, maybe back in like 2017 would be my guess. And back then it was just the pre-rolls. And so now to hear you talk about packs and loose flour and concentrates, I know as well. And and you guys have expanded into Oklahoma. What the, What is that like? Like, what the fuck is going on in Oklahoma? A lot. A lot more than I thought. A lot more. Um, it was just kind of one of those emails that changes your life where you just wake up normal day and then you get an email being like, hey, I own the uh, third largest, you know, liquor distribution company in Oklahoma and I was on vacation in California and I came across your pre-rolls and they were the best joints I ever smoked and I want to launch your brand in Oklahoma. And then you're on a flight to Tulsa and you've obviously, I mean, I had never been to Oklahoma, so I was expecting literally to get picked up in a horse-drawn, you know, <laughs> carriage. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a cool city, you know, it has a lot more going on than people would expect. The restaurants were good. They have cool breweries. They have cool hotels. I mean, it's Tulsa. So it's like I was staying in like literally the five-star hotel. My suite was bigger than my apartment in Venice, like for <laughs> sure bigger. And it was $93 a night. And then for dinner, I literally ordered like a bottle of red wine and like a beer and like two entrees and like so much stuff. And it was like $60. And I yeah. was like, I'm definitely not in LA anymore. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, it's a it's a packaging deal. It's a deal that we're replicating with a lot of other states. You know, we're we're working on a few different deals in Massachusetts. We're hopefully close on a deal in Michigan. Uh, you know, New York. We're gonna launch uh, internally and you know run the entire operations the same way we do in California. Where in these other states, we're basically just saying sell products in our packaging we're already ordering so many of them that the price that you'll be getting from us is lower than if you just went out and you know bought five thousand or ten thousand it's like well we're ordering at you know a million each you know rolling papers you know we order 2.5 million rolling papers at a time so it's like if you only need a hundred hundred fifty thousand just you know buy it from us it'll be cheaper it'll be branded and then we you know we support them with the whole uh not only marketing team but like the actual graphic design like we have a graphic designer on on staff and so like any posters whatever they need it's like here launch a brand in 90 days with 50 grand or less and you know we'll give you all the operational expertise and manufacturing and we're going to basically replicate that deal in as many states as we can except for california and new york where i'm interested in actually running the day-to-day apparently it's legal now in new york uh recreation congratulations, congratulations yeah I was just reading that you're going to be allowed three ounces uh, of cannabis. What? Yeah. What are you thinking? What are you expecting from that market? I mean, three ounces. Those blunts are going to be fat. 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 California, we're restricted 25 grams. Uh Bitches over here. They got three ounces in New York. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, there's so much that has to be done uh, with like repairing like the state of like so many of the communities in New York. It's Mm -hmm. like... I had a really privileged upbringing. Like, I grew up on the Upper West Side. I went to school on the Upper East Side. We were bussed through Spanish Harlem, going to Randall's Island, like, literally, uh, you know, every day uh, for sports and stuff. And so, you, you, you know, you grow up and you see it and you're on one hand immune because you've, like, grown up with it and you just think, oh, this is New York. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, realize as you get older and wiser that, you know, the way that it is is very deliberate you know, the most commonly used thing is it's over police and underfunded. So it's like everyone is selling drugs. Everyone's doing drugs equally white, black, brown, Asian, roughly the same. Asians do a little less drugs than us. White, black, black, white, black, and brown uh, people. But like, 
overall people use at the same rates and it's just the fact that black and brown people get in trouble for it so much more it's like i've been literally selling you know until i started stone road you know i was eight like seven eight years selling weed and mm. of course it was the black market there was no market it was the market yeah. you know and um there's a lot of times that i was pulled over or got into something and the fact being like a white guy especially like a straight acting i mean i could just like blend in anywhere it allowed me to to basically keep building where like a lot of people like if they were black like you get caught one time and like you're out of the race do you know what i mean and so the law that they actually pass is really progressive if it actually goes through we'll see how many changes are made during like public comments, you know, cause it doesn't actually go into law for like a year. And like, they have to basically make a governing body. They're going to fuck it up. It's like, when I say I'm going to New York, like I'm not doing what I did in California was like buy a farm before the counties had basically like said their stance. Like the County I bought in was like, Oh, we're not going to allow like legal cannabis operations. And I'm like, well too fucking bad. I'm growing anyway. <laughs> and so I just like, you know, even with stone road, like the first three years of stone road, there was no track and trace, you know, it was medical, I would just grow it and put it into the products, you know, and then when July 2018 turned around and like, everything had to come from a licensed farm, like the quality of the product dropped, the price went up. And basically, for the past two years, we've just been working on getting the farm legal, we're finally there, literally, we have, you know, 550 seedlings sprouting right now. Next week, we're getting, you know, literally 10s of 1000s of clones, it just took five years and uh, a few million bucks yeah. to like be able to even like compete with what's happening in California in terms of like the investment money and the corporatization. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what the original. We were talking about packaging, but <laughs> we smoked a joint and now I'm just rambling. Yes, we smoked Stone Road, obviously. We smoked a Sour Bubbles, which is amazing. On sale now. On sale now, people. Um, I, I do believe this episode is going to be coming out the weekend before 420. I have so many questions still. Like, I, I want to know maybe some of the greatest lessons being in the cannabis industry that you've gained. Because as we know, there are so many people coming from outside who are like, I think I'm going to try it. Like, I think I'll start a cannabis. And it's like, you're five years in and you are still doing everything you can to stay afloat. So yeah, what has being in this industry taught you? I'll keep this short and sweet. I mean, it's going to kind of be like a harsh reality for a lot of people. But like, you're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as charming as you think you are. I feel like for me, none of my friends at 23 started a company, they went and worked for their first company, maybe they're on their second company. And just now my peers at 28, 30, 32 are starting their own companies. When you start a company, you're 23, you think you're on the top of the world, you quickly go out and raise, you know, $350,000 of investor dough. You quickly blow that investor dough in three months because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You know, you find yourself four months in, like, sweating bullets, not being able to, like, sleep or, like, eat. And then it goes bad to worse. It gets it gets worse than you can ever imagine. And it's like, I would like to think that's only my experience. But, like, trading war stories with other veterans of the industry, I just scratched the surface. <laughs> Um, really realizing how many people out there are hustling their fucking ass off. Like I'm the founder and CEO. I haven't taken a salary in ever. And beyond taking a salary, it's like there were some opportunities presented to Stone Road that we just could not pass up. So it's like I've also now put in since the start of the year close to $100,000 in just short term interest free loans to the business because there were certain things that I was like, if we're not there, then that will be detrimental. You know, we needed PR, we needed someone to help scream the message from the rooftops. It can't just be me. You know, my my voice is hoarse after four years. Yeah. We'll get some hired guns. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's basically like, I, sh- I, sa- I said short and sweet, but basically like, <laughs> it's so incredibly hard. And all the companies, maybe with the exception of like a handful of companies are not making money right now, and in fact, are raising outside capital to sustain and basically subsidize just general business operations. 
And it's just going to be a waiting game. Like with the amount of manufacturer insolvency this past year, like if Stone Road didn't have its own farm, we would have totally been out of business. No question. No question. Even now, we're selling products like our cumulative margin of like, you know, blended margin of like 15%. After I pay my sales commission 10%, 5%, I have to do for $100,000 in sales, I'm going to make five grand. So I have to do at least $300,000 just to cover my basic payroll and rent. It's like, it's impossible. You know, you have one bad month and you're screwed, you know? Wow. And so it's like, it's just, it's really hard. You have to love it. You have to love the plant. You have to have an appreciation for it. You have to also know that it's a drug at the end of the day and you have a responsibility to make sure that what you're putting out is, you know, clean and of high quality. People are using it to you know, whether heal or recreate, everyone's using it for a, me a medicine. I hate when people are like, oh, medical weed and recreate is different. It's like, have you seen the lab testing in California? That rec weed is the cleanest medicine you're literally ever getting. Like, go get the kale, the organic kale, and test the PPMs of the heavy metals and the pesticides. It'll be off the chart. It would never pass California cannabis standards. It is really amazing, the standards that our flowers held to versus our food, our medicine, and, like, basically anything else. Release, like, nutraceuticals, <laughs> like, CBD. You, like, make it in your kitchen and put it in a tin and just ship it. It's like, you have no idea what is going on, you know? And it's like, now looking at cannabis, it's not that I want to get rid of lab testing for cannabis. I want everything else to be tested as stringently as they test cannabis. I want my beer to know if there's heavy metals. I want to know if there's pesticides in my wine. I want to know if my organic strawberries have actually been tainted with uh, crop dusting from a neighboring field. All the stuff that, all the bullshit we have to go through with cannabis, now we want to know. We deserve to know. People are demanding more and more from our government and from those quote-unquote leaders that we have loose term leaders. loose extremely loose term leaders right no they lead themselves to like the bank and that's yeah. it yeah uh, yeah sleepy joe in 2016 says trump only paid 750 dollars in federal taxes i paid 9.3 million i go sleepy joe made 18 million dollars <laughs> the year he left the presidency damn sign me the fuck up that's like exiting like a successful startup Right. It's like the whole thing is rigged. Dianne Feinstein, Democrat. And I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal Democrat. I'm a gay New York Jewish liberal Democrat. Yeah. Like, and it's like Dianne Feinstein is worth $110 million. Why is that bitch Wait, leading us? What? Yes. Look it up. She's guopped out. Guopped. <laughs> yeah. These people have nothing. They have nothing. They have nothing in common with us. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Politics are so fucked. It's frustrating when people like go up to bat for these politicians and what they're doing because at the end of the day I feel like no one's really doing anything um yeah this whole New York market is going to be very very interesting I mean would you move back do you think you could ever go back to living that that fast-paced lifestyle uh not full-time it's just you know New York's a lot especially when you grow up there it's a whole ball of energy that you know, you can tap into and you can leave and you can get your separation. But now that I've kind of like discovered California, I'm like, damn, it's nice out here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like I, under I understand why people come and then never come back. Do I want to run Stone Road New York's operations? Very much so. I think if I can walk out of my parents' apartment on the Upper West Side and go to a local shop and pick up a pack of stone roads i can die happy yeah. uh you know if i can ring the bell on the new york stock exchange that would just be like literally coming and sticking to to like all the douchebag financier kids that like i went to high school and elementary with that were just like not nice people and in la they worship you know celebrities they worship tech in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. And in New York, they worship, you know, hedge funders, Wall Street people, um, big wigs. And I think it's like that whole, the, the system is so beyond broken. And that's coming from someone who's like dad has worked in, you know, on Wall Street and in finance for literally 35 years and has benefited from the system. But uh, 
it's so unbelievably rigged that I feel like the cannabis industry is like one of the only industries that it's brand spanking new. And so it's like, we can make this diverse. Like we can have a representative amount of women, gay people, black people, because it's like the industry is being made now. Like companies that were like two years ago, everyone thought that they were going to like run shit like MedMen, multi-billion dollar valuation you know now the stock is in the toilet they've had to sell off tons of the assets everyone knows the story i mean even like lol who like launched the same time i did in april 2017 who's gonna want pre-rolls with this like scary goat and then i was like oh they have like 10 million dollars of you know hedge fund money from new york and they quickly like took over the entire market and were like the brand and then just with the usual thing i mean money and you know ego that whole thing came really crashing down. And I mean, uh, who just bought it? Indus just mm-hmm. bought them, you know, for a song, 38 million. Oh my God, for a song. You know, if they sold a year ago at their peak revenue, I mean, they would have commanded more probably than 100 million. I mean, you worked for them for a little bit. The, that cafe was like a $10 million plus little enterprise. Yeah, they were my first like corporate gig in cannabis. I had a cubicle. And it was <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. It was interesting to see those egos yeah. and, and how they played out. I don't want to say the demise, but certainly there's going to be rebirth. some kind of rebirth. Yes, exactly. Yes. A rebirth of this company, which I mean, there's still people to this day that work for Lowell that were a part of the original team that are just die hard for this brand because they've invested so much and they love it so much. And I think those people deserve to be invested in and and to be able to to rebrand and and just reposition themselves and and we'll see what happens i mean they were the first company i had ever seen with pre-packaged pre-rolls right does say a lot but yeah definitely got a little messy it always does i mean there are so many companies that like you know an investor or during an interview someone asked me like paint a competitive landscape it changes every six months it really does i mean Companies that I was competing with in 2016 are no longer here. Companies in 2017 are completely restructured, reformatted. It's like some of the companies that I thought I was competing with are actually so much bigger than I had any idea. You know, from the outside, it's like if you see a brand in a dispensary, you really don't know. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier. Um, You know, if you look at Henry's original, you're like, oh, you know, it's nice packaging, Kind of a boring Instagram, very like NorCal Mendo vibes. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh my God, you know, they have like factories of weed. Like they have all these farms that they own, that they operate. Like that's an operation, like an operation worth, I I don't know how much they're worth, but I would guess like at least a hundred million dollars or something, you know? And so it's like, you just never, you know, and then Stone Road sitting there right on the shelf. It's like, okay, it's three people in LA and three (laughs) people up at the farm and that's the company you know (laughs) and uh it's it like you don't you don't need to know the whole backstory like if your shit is on the shelf in california you did a good job you you cleared several barriers and very high hurdles to get it there and now it's just an open game i mean like just switching the concentrates like raw garden was the gold standard and then like all this talk of you know a distillate based and then you know there's 600 strains being mostly the same shit and then you know one of my friends works for like a really well-known grow in the bay that considered like gets compared and talked about in the same uh, circles as cookies and you know just hearing about like what's going on there in terms of just tomfoolery, just bullshit, <laughs> just not doing the right thing, but making stupid, stupid amounts of money. And then you have like all the brands that are trying to like stand for something and like lift up the community and like bring high quality products to people. Like right now, I can say <laughs> on behalf of like the small businesses and cannabis, like we're getting slaughtered. It's just, it's really hard. You know, it's really hard to compete with companies that have hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. And it's like, yes, their product sucks. But then like, yes, they can also just pay the $10,000 shelving fee to be like right there, you know. Or what's happening in concentrates with everyone just dropping prices, dropping prices and basically cratering out the market. So then all these companies are going to go out of business and they can jack the price up, which is like exactly what happens with like every industry. Damn, I had no idea about that. I haven't I haven't been in a shop in over a year <laughs> as far as like pricing wise. 
We're selling our one gram concentrates yeah. for eight dollars wholesale. We were selling them for thirteen, and literally like thirteen wholesale, which would have been twenty six after taxes, about thirty two to thirty five, and we dropped it down to eight. That means it's hitting the store at like sixteen to twenty to the customer with taxes like twenty five, and it's like yeah, we're selling a lot of them, but there's a lot of people who are selling it now at six. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. It especially because concentrates. I mean, 2015, 2016. So well, so, so, so expensive, expensive, so expensive. I I had no idea that yeah. was kind of a thing that these big players could do in order to like weed out everybody else. That literally hurt so much to hear that. And just that the smaller brands do struggle yeah. and are getting slaughtered, as you say. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it. The raw garden thing, too, it, it's so wild because you see what marketing can do. Because yeah. we would have people come into the shop and it would be like, they just dropped something new, yeah. all these new flavors. I like this one. I didn't like that one. And it's like, God only knows you were probably smoking the same shit, That's you know? Exactly like the, the grow in Oakland that my homie works at, they are like a really preeminent grow and like they literally just sort like from the same plant like the different color like if it's more purpley or if it's more green and they're selling like three different strains of the same flower and it's like yeah it's not hurting anyone but it's also like not giving people and it's just like generally just being you know dishonest and obviously like because of other companies like we've had to change strains because of either legal things or just because we didn't want to be like stepping on any toes and bringing you know something to market that you know another brand has really become known for yeah. um but ultimately like naming a sativa and indica is it's like i can't smoke indica i'll literally go to sleep while i'm driving <laughs> like you know what i mean it's like i'm an all sativa all the time like if someone just you know snuck a really heavy indica on me like right. you know it's still a drug yeah, like you said, it is a drug. There needs to be a level of transparency. If you're buying Coke, you yeah, want to make sure that shit's pure and, <laughs> and not That's messed why I up. Fucking buy it. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is in it. Maybe when I was a little child in New York running around, I didn't care. Now I'm like, are those strawberries organic? And if they're not, there's no way I'm buying them. Like, it's fucking wild. You, once you know, you can't unknow. Exactly. Well, what? yeah, exactly. Ignorance is bliss. So yeah. once you know, you got... When you know better, you do better, it's as like Maya says. the amazing California wine that comes from the Santa Barbara, Carpinteria, Lompoc region, and then realizing that all those super farms down there, like, rarely pass lab tests and they just like blast it into distillate and stuff and you're like okay so if the weed's failing for heavy metal mostly cadmium mm -hmm. the wine oh my god santa barbara wine is off the charts with pesticides and heavy metals Jesus. because cannabis similar to grapes are net accumulators they pull from their soil mm -hmm. so the soil is naturally very heavy metal occur like there's already a lot of metal naturally occurring in the soil plus there's already just a ton in the water plus when pesticides wash away a lot of pesticides are metallic based and so it leaves the actual metal and that's why you have fields that have like crazy amounts of cadmium just because it's organic doesn't mean it's safe you know a lot of arsenic based insecticides are from naturally occurring arsenic it's not like if you drink it you're still gonna die <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know shit about any of this, so it's all really, really fascinating. I already know that I'm going to be processing more of what you're saying through the editing process when I get to really absorb uh, just how much bullshit we intake on the daily. So much. so much bullshit. You have spent a lot of time in dispensaries. I'm curious if you have any favorite moments or anything just about dispensary culture that you want to touch on. For sure. I mean, honestly, like I would have quit Stone Road if I didn't do so many goddamn PADs because there's nothing like getting off the phone and just getting like bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. You go into a dispensary like yeah, I'm the founder and CEO, but like I am not above doing a PAD myself. So it's like there's some accounts that like crank so much for us and then they're on the way up to the farm that I still literally do the PADs. And it's like one of them, Token Farms in Visalia, shout out Jennifer. Uh, she's gay. And so me and her are just like, all right, squad. And she moves like an insane amount of product for me. And 
I still do the PADs, um, and, like, there are people that will, like, literally drive, like, three hours one way when they see, like, a Stone Road PAD to come buy, like, $600 worth of product and just come and just want to shake my hand and talk, and it's, like, that's what makes it the best, and it's, like, and you can't paint, it's not one type of person, it's literally, like, the Asian grandma, the young Latino kid, like, the white kid like you know who's hype beast boy like you know <laughs> you know it's literally all walks of life like Urba's right near my house they're also like in a huge account for us shout out Urba. uh and like the amount of people that are in that shop with their little stupid deli counter <laughs> style where you like take a number and wait and it's like it's the most diverse group of people all shapes, sizes, colors, like, it's just amazing. It's like a, it's, it's actually the grand unifier. Yeah. It's like, why are we sitting in your house today? Mm-hmm. We were both drawn to this plant and that's it. You know? The rest is history. So you mentioned Gay Squad. What is your take on the queer community in cannabis or vice versa? Um, I know that was something that I believe drew me to Stone Road was you've always had very inclusive content and it's always been really beautiful and kind of ethereal and then sometimes kind of edgy. And like there's this really cool balance that you have. And throughout, I think the common thread is just very unique faces and, and styles so what has your experience been um, as a gay man in cannabis? <laughs> it's a good, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, honestly, cannabis is the most inclusive industry I've ever worked in just because it's brand new. And what I was saying earlier, it's like, we, we are the industry. Mm. You know, we are creating the content. We're creating the products. We have a unique opportunity to write the script. We want to write something that is inclusive, it's diverse, and it represents the actual cannabis community. If you look at just the people that smoke weed, it's not just girls and thongs covered in tattoos taking dabs. Like obviously that's a whole market that they're, you know, sex has always sold, but it's like we're trying to find some unconventional beauty. We're trying to find some beautiful dope-looking individuals who aren't, like, necessarily models. Like, Mm -hmm. if they've done modeling, fantastic. But, like, just basically people that represent, like, who we're selling to. And the fact that a lot of those people are black or brown or trans or gay or non-binary, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's like, literally, this is how I'm just not even thinking about it. One of our photographers, Amanda Picote, she shot her cousin... Sophia and we put it in broccoli mag I didn't even know she was trans like I literally that and then like some tag that's like so progressive stone road first trans model and broccoli or something and I was like she's trans I was like damn like Sophia looks fucking good um you know it was just like it's like it's like we didn't go out and, and scout a trans model. It was like the photographer that we liked her vibe shot her cousin who happened to be tra- trans. Amanda is, you know, queer. Um, and so many, like literally the entire crew of New York creatives that we routinely use, like they're literally all gay. And then they just introduced us into more people like Billy Black, a photographer we use all the time in LA. We liked his work. The fact that he is like a they, them, gay uh, non-binary, whatever, it's like, okay, like, word, word, word. That, yeah. yeah. It's just, like, so not... It's just, like, so not important. But then, obviously, because we work with so many gay creatives and then it goes on their Instagram, the web just gets bigger and bigger. And now we'll have, like, people who don't even want to get paid and are literally like if you'll cover expenses and send us a bunch of product we'll create a lot of content for you and we'll just like get them goodie bags and you know give them a little bit of money and if they produce something amazing we'll commission them for like a full shoot but you know we're just trying to see what what the world can produce like so much of the stuff on instagram was just photo shoots that we Uh, people reached out and they Mm -hmm. said, I want to be featured. I would love to be shot by you. Or it's creatives being like, I have this idea for a shoot. Um, And then a lot of it is just like stuff out of my own head where I'm like, I think we need 
a model with a big old snake, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or the shoot we did the other weekend with this like gigantic black stallion of a horse. And like my friend who like is like six, three and Italian and gorgeous and long black hair. And like, I'll show you the photos. They're fire. Oh my God. Well, I didn't know all you had to do was ask. I've been dying. (laughs) I've been dying to, um, do something for stoner because I just love everything that you do. Oh, stunning oh my god so gorgeous well and every time you post i'm like i can't help but be like fire also (laughs) fire yeah love it that's cool uh i i slid the support yes i slid into your dms once if i don't know if you remember is is it you that i talked to when uh, it's social media are you so big now that it's someone else So I see all the DMs, but there is a team that helps. Like someone chooses the grid and then we all vote on what grid we like more for the week. And then um, captions is mostly me. I've done like probably 95% of all the captions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've I've past experience as a writer and a creative director. and then, yeah, and then there's some interns that help with the DMs. Uh, but if someone's like, hey, you know, and writing a lot of stuff, they'll, like, screenshot it and send it to me. So when I see that it's you, I'm going to hop onto that account. But, I mean, I have, like, so many accounts now. Bro, I get it. You are big time. I, I was eavesdropping on your PR uh, meeting earlier. I mean, it's amazing. It's great. Yeah, I sent a DM because I had this vision of me with elf ears around Christmas, but being, like, sad elf, but, like, grungy, like, euphoria. <laughs> And yeah, you were super high. Yeah. And you were like, yo, how do I get some joints and some elf ears <laughs> and shoot something in bed? No. All you got to do is ask. Just DM. We'll oh hook you God. up. I mean, I did, but clearly <laughs> the, the intern wasn't feeling it. Whoever read it. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, I do want to go into the next segment, which is the re-up. So it's basically I'm going to ask you rapid fire questions and and we'll talk about some of your favorite cannabis products on the market as well. So your favorite word for cannabis. Ganja. Hey. Your favorite stoner movie of all time. Pineapple Express. Yeah, classic. Yeah. What's your favorite music to listen to when you get stoned? Uh, James Blake. And then the dopest smoke session you've had thus far. In my life. Yeah. So many to choose from, but I was in Morocco about two years ago and I sourced some hash on the street and I sourced a little bit of bud at a nightclub and I sparked up a hash spliff at a nightclub in Morocco and that shit was lit. Literally the performers were from Brooklyn were like blazing down. I'm jamming on stage with them, drunk out of my mind. Literally everybody's in full like Islamic attire. I was like, it was lit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an epic smoke yeah. sash for sure. <laughs> if heaven exists, what strain would be on your top shelf? Pacific Frost, always and forever. It's a really rare strain that we've occasionally, we've grown it two seasons. It's like a sativa hybrid. It's incredibly high THC, but it doesn't give you anxiety. It tastes amazing. It smells amazing. It stays fresh for like literally a year. I'm trying to find the genetics. Holla if you have that OG Pacific Frost. Make a connection. It sounds refreshing. We got some from Darkheart, but it was in the days when Darkheart would just like make up the names of their strains. I'd buy like like some sativa thing and it'd be like some dense, bushy little thing. I'm like, that shit ain't sativa. Yeah. Hashtag weed in general. Weed, like everything's a hybrid. Ever, just FYI, every concentrate ever was made with like smalls or trim. And like to run those machines, you have to push literally like three to 500 pounds through it a day to even like turn it on. And so no one, strain specific concentrate like doesn't exist. Sorry to break the bubble. <laughs> April is going to be a month of bursting bubbles. Yes. We, it, it just is what it is. People uh, are like, no, that's banana gelato Skittles OG. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's the same fucking thing as the other batch. It's like each batch is like, you know, between three or four different strains. So it's like, yeah, obviously there's different flavors, but it's like, yeah. think about how much you need to buy of like one strain to have like a strain specific. Right. Like how many farms can you go to? And you're like, oh, can I have you know, 20,000 pounds of banana trim, you know. No. Any 
cannabis companies or brands that you like at the moment that you want to give a shout out to yeah i think pure beauty is pushing the envelope in terms of art and design uh i honestly i love a lot of their stuff it makes people uncomfortable and makes people think uh which is what good arts for four they don't follow me back on instagram i'm not taking it personally though it's all good <laughs> We spent a lot on content too. I'd appreciate the support. Uh, no, I mean, they're, you know, their flowers insane. Um, Maggie Connors, who runs Besito, is just like another company doing it really right. Uh, you know, they're no longer doing their vape pens, but they're doing pre rolls, even though they're a direct competitor. Mm. Check them out. There's room enough for all of us uh, at the table. Uh, what other companies? Yeah, honestly, like those are, I mean, I don't really like buy other people's cannabis straight up because we just have so much. Right. Um, but it's like if I'm going, like if I had to buy another pre-roll, mm-hmm. I couldn't even do it. I literally couldn't even do it because I would just shit on it, even if it was amazing. And then if it was amazing, then I'd feel bad and be like, well, I guess I just <laughs> throw my hat into the ring. <laughs> what a double-edged sword yeah. <laughs> um but it totally makes sense and and yes definitely awesome companies definitely ones that we've mentioned before uh doing it right your last segment this has been fabulous by the way i'm so grateful that you took the time to come out here and do this and and with so many stone road treats so it's going to be call your plug so it's basically anything that you want to plug at the moment keep in mind this is coming out right before 420 social media platforms yada yada so the website is stoneroad.org um we have a new website coming out last week of april first week of may so check that out it'll be really interactive and cool instagram stone road farms uh the one with the un- underscore is our backup we are shadow banned because fuck instagram mm-hmm. um and then yeah i mean we are our, our newest product is a half ounce roll your own pouch uh it's made with 100 percent smalls there's no trim, which is different than every other pouch on the market right now, which is like all trim. Uh, it's a little bit pricier, but, you know, they test well. They smell really good. They taste really good. So that's the product I'm plugging. Ultimately, just like all the weeds starting in like August that we put out will be from the farm. And so it's like there is about to be a rebirth coming for Stone Road. Like for the past two and a half years, we've just been sourcing from other farmers mm-hmm. no longer every all the flour that you see in the eighths and the quarters basically starting in like july is going to be grown at the farm amazing you've come such a long way dude i mean this fucking farm you literally developed it entirely raw. like you're yeah raw land it's just amazing congratulations again any last words for the people just enjoy life don't take it too seriously, you know, smoke stone road. <laughs> and uh, thanks for having me on. That's the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of That Bud Tender Podcast. Follow me at The Stone Journalist. Follow the show at That Bud Tender Podcast. Like, share, subscribe, and keep getting high, my babies. Mm-hmm.